I think it's going to be weird if uh, our 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 fans are going to see our faces. They're going to mm. be very confused because who knows what what bodies they've put together with our voices. It's true. It's going to be very bizarre. It's going to be extremely bizarre, especially. Alyssa, Alyssa, if you didn't know us and you were trying to put <laughs> faces with our voices, who would you have put with us? You guys are all damn sexy. I knew that. You can tell. You can hear it in your voices. It's just a lot of sexiness. <laughs> Give yourselves away, really. Well, this is Laura Palmer is Dead, a Twin Peaks podcast. The return covid quarantine virtual <laughs> zoom edition with and special gateway, gateway and gateway to geekery <laughs> crossover episode with special guest star Alyssa davis welcome welcome wow dream come true Alyssa davis is our biggest fan i'm just giving it's your amazing. intro for you Explain your explain yourself, Alyssa. Who are you? To quote, I suspect that I am the only fan of this podcast who not only Stop has right there. <laughs> <laughs> I am one of the tens of listeners. Okay, <laughs> the tens, um, the, tens <laughs> the proud <laughs> that knows that you reference tens of listeners twice in a series of your podcasts because I have listened to the podcast at least three times and counting and have to this day only ever seen the pilot episode of Twin Peaks. In fact, you've only what? seen it because of now being on the podcast. We have to say, <laughs> please watch the pilot. Well, you tried to get me to watch it back when you guys first recorded the podcast and I, I did fall asleep to it and just kind of gave up, but I don't think I was mature enough a couple years ago at the time. It was like three years ago. Yeah, no, a few years <laughs> exactly. of maturity there. Yeah. <laughs> now, why, listeners might be asking, would a podcast go back and redo a companion pilot listen? And there are several reasons. Reason the first, what is it? Melissa, why are we doing this? Oh, shit. I don't really know. <laughs> Um, she loves when I just pelt questions. Because you missed the pilot. Melissa missed the I pilot. missed the pilot. I was in New York visiting friends when Kelly, Pat, and my ex decided that they would record. And I was disappointed, but it was fine. To be fair, we uh, many know the origin stories of this podcast. Like mm -hmm. many podcasts, it was like a drunken night where everyone's like, Alicia, do a podcast. And like, then we really did it, which was <laughs> now it's on revolution, revolution Brewery. But suddenly it had this like huge sense of urgency with timeline for Tom. And I don't think I knew until we were recording it that Melissa wasn't gonna be there. Like that was, wasn't part of the plan. It was partly because the return was starting in a few months. Yeah, we, we wanted, wanted to get to everything out the, before the return. Yeah. The and there was a nice was a suspense build because Melissa, I recall you were mentioned in the first podcast. So the audience did have to wait until the next episode for the reveal. The audience Who's Melissa? Basically you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a little gem of a, a token. Today I said I would be a bassist because I bring all of the beats. I'm, I'm always in the background. I'm never the lead lady. <laughs> Melissa's our our 
too basic to be nerdy, too nerdy to be basic. It's true. How it's you bring true. it. <laughs> but a we to AKA Alyssa Davis, you are not just to to be fair, I, I always have to be transparent. Alyssa's not just a fan because she's a random stranger. You're a very, very <laughs> close friend for many, many years. <laughs> that would be weird if we just brought a stranger on. <laughs> We've never met this girl. We've yes, literally, like, this is the first time I'm seeing her face. Thank you for right. clarifying that I am not a stalker in an <laughs> unhealthy way. Yes. I wanted to make the someone this beautiful would never be, but I wanted to make it clear for the one person that's like, wow, that's really unique taste. Like companion podcast, but she doesn't watch the show. Very weird. Oh. <laughs> Just your thing. And you did reference me in one of the episodes. Wouldn't it be awesome Several. if I was like, an episode, blah, 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 sure. but I don't know, remember exactly. Because so we've talked about you a lot on the show. <laughs> you guys <laughs> took a trip out west um, more than once, and one of the times was for my wedding, so that mm-hmm. I remember I got, I got a little call out. Um, and then something else about the band Bush. Instead, oh, yeah. like, we had a, we had some confusion about the band Bush or President Bush, like you do. Oh, it's confusing. My other. other Yeah. Makes sense. We took a romantic trip with Melissa to Snoqualmie Falls, where the opening credits of Twin Peaks is Mm -hmm. filmed. And um, we just experienced all of the Twin Peaks locations. It was a wonderful romantic time. And before that is when we went to Alyssa and Chip's wedding. Just as important, but not more. Same trip, same trip. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I am here to attest that the great Pacific Northwest has been well depicted, at least in the pilot thus far, and I'm sure throughout the rest of the series as well. Yes, and you sent us some pictures of sawmills. Explain I took again. videos. I took videos uh, at the Starfire Lumber Sawmill on a field trip that I took my students to, and I just thought it was wonderful that Twin Peaks starts with the scene of the monotony of something happening at some sort of factory that I assume is a sawmill. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I sent my, my monotonous videos of sawmills to Kelly and Pat in preparation <laughs> for, for them to be prepared for this podcast. And did you catch the giant log too? I noticed the giant log. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I haven't seen it with my own two eyes like you guys have, but. Well, right. so I, have some I think. I do. What's that? It looks kind of like a giant log. <laughs> It, but I really does. I, <laughs> I think if you had, like, if you had to just summarize Twin Peaks in two sentences, it would be like, the there's a small town where the prom queen was murdered, and there's a mill plot. Done. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> our brief origin stories. If in case for some reason you're deciding to tune into this and you've never listened to the rest of our podcast or don't know any um i'm like a hardcore diehard twin peaks fan (laughs) who's super lynchian david lynch Mm -hmm. fan and like many twin peaks fans i got my husband into it 
we have do. watched it many, many times. But I have to say, even having watched it many times, I still, maybe until the 18th viewing, did not understand the B plot known as the middle plot. <laughs> and Pat and I, one of our favorite things to do is get a little bit drunk and try to whiteboard what the full middle plot is. So, oh, Alyssa, when you were like texting us, so we're like, right. what if Alyssa like gets the mill plot the first time? And that's like her thing. Right. She just like is like, so Catherine and Josie, our sister in laws, just like explains <laughs> it perfectly in 60 seconds. <laughs> like, well, that will be the follow up episode of this one is after you are completed with not only the series, the fire walk with me, and the return. We'll, we'll circle oh back and we'll come back. So, so much information. So I want to start with, um, oh, and so then, so then we had to convince Melissa, as we explained, to basic be nerdy, to nerdy to be basic, to watch all of Twin Peaks, starting from the pilot, right, through the return, and to watch her slow conversion from like a normal person to a David Lynch fan has been really, really interesting. <laughs> In all fairness, I watched the pilot before, like, because I'm really into, like, why cult classics are cult classics. So, like, I've watched a lot of things that are, like, really popularized. And yes. I'm like, okay, like, this is kind of good, but, like, it didn't keep my interest as much. As right. It didn't grab you. It didn't grab me enough with the amount of media coming at me to continue. There's Chip. Alyssa? <laughs> Hi, Chip. The ongoing um, segment of... <laughs> I mean, I think Twin Peaks and David Lynch are like mm -hmm. that boyfriend that you love passionately and everybody else kind of hates, except for, like, two of your girlfriends that are like, we get it. <laughs> like... <laughs> I have been there. I know. <laughs> I know. And I was one of the girlfriends. <laughs> Where you were like the only one and Pat was the other one. <laughs> yeah, we were the two girls. <laughs> but it, it's it's such a I mean, I will watch Twin Peaks and be like, is this awful? But it's but then I'm like, yeah. it's wonderful and it's perfect. It's amazing. It yeah. You will I, I always tell people you'll know right away if you're in it. Or if you don't know right away, you'll definitely know by the episode. Third episode. The third episode, if you're in, if you're a Twin Peaks person. And the reason I thought for COVID times and quarantine, this is literally the best time to watch this is, you know, so it's the 30th anniversary, which Melissa is going to talk to us a little bit about in a moment. Mm -hmm. But you've got the return, so you've got a full arc, you really get to have like the full story. It's got this kind of weird meets comforting feel to it, which is really awesome. It's a procedural, I mean, it, it, yeah. at its core, like X-Files and Twin Peaks were both around the same time, Pacific Northwest, 90s nostalgia procedurals, like There's shoulder pads, hairspray, plaid there's a lot of classic classic detective work yes and it's got really it's got a bromance it's mm -hmm. got a great soundtrack the fashion is are things that like the gen zers are wearing right now about 20 really are. yeah <laughs> period piece 
Yes. Well, you know, because no. you, you teach the youths. <laughs> They're like wearing Twin Peaks things. Like it's true. It is a period piece. Early though, 90s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, my niece is that age and she wears clothes that are not flattering that I go, all right, like I wore that too, but like now I know I shouldn't have worn that. So, I mean, my choice jeans? now. You're Donna. Yeah. Very big this, mom jeans. Yeah, yeah. In this pilot, Laura, who uh, we were talking about, okay, so we were like, one of the things that Tom gave us shit about was that calling our podcast Laura Palmer is dead is a spoiler and he's like the spoiler Nazi. So we <laughs> counted how long before you learn that Laura Palmer is dead. He and gave I think you a hard time about that. And you're like, it was just a couple minutes in. He it is like, seven minutes and 53 <laughs> seconds in. So to be fair, and if you were going to watch the show. <laughs> the credits the are like body. three minutes in that first episode. That's right. So, I mean, you see the body really, really early. The first time they say it's Laura Palmer wrapped in plastic is seven minutes and 53 seconds in. So our, <laughs> our title was a little bit of a spoiler for the first eight minutes. So yeah. we are sorry about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's Laura Palmer's best friend, Donna, in the first episode, she wears this long red skirt and a big baggy like jacket and these like slouchy boots. And I'm like, I hate it all, but I could like see myself wearing that at some point. Like, I could actually pull that look off very well. <laughs> Thank you, Melissa. Like, I do as much as I hate it. I want to be an Audrey, but I'm a Donna. Like, mm -hmm. I, 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 I've come to realize that in oh, multiple viewings. Because Donna's, yeah. she's kind of an intellectual overthinker drama queen. Like, mm -hmm. she's, you know, she's that girl who like wrote boys' names and her trapper keeper and just made too much of things and like you're like Donna you're 17 relax that was me <laughs> like oof <laughs> Donna cared that Laura died and in the first episode it's not clear if Audrey did or if it was just That's right. a convenient tool for her to use to get more attention it's true Audrey is about attention she's about just fucking with people, stirring the pot, like being a mess. So kind of just backtracking as we do. We, we like to ramble and then get to it. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, our, that's our way. The pilot of Twin Peaks, I mean, pilots are tricky, right? Like sometimes shows will have pilots that you're like, oh my God, can you even remember like how horrible that pilot was and the show was incredible? Twin Peaks pilot was really, really good. Yeah. And a bit of Twin Peaks lore, people like me um, watched the second episode before the pilot because there was this yeah. weird, horrible thing with like they aired things in the wrong order. It was a, it no, wasn't it was a syndication. Copy, it was a copyright thing. Yeah. It was. Uh, so yeah, I, I had watched Twin Peaks in total twice. The DVDs didn't have the pilot because of copyright issues so before watching the pilot so like for a procedural that's crazy like the pilot you meet all of the suspects you meet all of the townspeople you meet the murder yeah. victim you meet like every <laughs> so just start from episode two is so crazy mm -hmm. but like it still had that grab because in david lynch shows the setting and the characters are the draw it's not about plot 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 although 
this episode is really plot progressive and moves right. really quickly. Sets the piece right. in ways. Yeah. And, and it, like, the, the transitions between the scenes are quick. Like, it's much quicker than other David Lynch episodes, I think. Because they're setting up so many different things. Yeah, he doesn't have the long, drawn-out scenes of uh, no. deliberate... Because it was also the 90s, too, with syndicated television, though, as well. Because once you get to the return, you get those long pauses, and you get that long, yeah. weird, lynchy stuff, because he was allowed to do that on cable and with the control. You see it more, where it's just like, you're like, is this an art film or is this television? <laughs> yes. Melissa, you bring up such a good point, which is in the, you know, everyone thinks of Twin Peaks and thinks of David Lynch synonymously, but in the original Twin Peaks series, which is two seasons and each season is something mm -hmm. like 26 episodes or so, David Back Lynch in the 90s when they did those 20 I know. Seasons, 20 episodes. Now we're like... We had every, there was a 10, you know, 10 episode Netflix series. W meanwhile, right. David Duchovny and Jillian Anderson are like laughing at you being like, we did like 35 episodes a season. Like, <laughs> fuck you. Um, it's like so different, but you know, he would do maybe like three episodes a season as a director. So um, he didn't have as much creative control as I think people think he had. And right. in the return, which is, 25 years later, Showtime brings back most of the original cast and David Lynch. Um, he had complete creative control. I mean, he did he directed, directed every episode. episode. So it has a really different look and feel while still being Twin Peaks. And I think mm -hmm. there's a really nice payoff for fans, but also like if you if you never watched the series, you could get something out of it. Mm -hmm. I think. I don't know. What do you think, Melissa? Like <laughs> Could you just jump into the return and get something out of it? No. I don't really, like, I really... As soon as could. I said it, I was like, I don't know if I think that. <laughs> because I think, Someone like, who would already thematically, want. yes. But, like, if you want an understanding of the plot points, it would take a lot. And as it was coming out, that's what I told people there. Like, oh, yeah, it came out. I'm just going to watch it. I was like, no, you can't do that. You have to watch the series. Then at least the first season of the series, and then Firewalk with me, and then yes. do. Yeah, a lot is drawn from Firewalk with me for the return. Right. So Firewalk with me, listeners, is the movie that it, it was released after Twin Peaks, the first two seasons, but it's actually a prequel. Prequel. And it's about the day that Laura actually died. The, the whole week. The I whole think, week. Almost, yeah. It has a different actress as Donna. And actually, mm -hmm. she's my preferred <laughs> Donna. I, although I do think Lara Flynn Boyle does a great job in this series. But, like, um, it's the actress from The West Wing who plays Donna right. in the... Yeah. I can't think of her name. But, like... I'll look Um, But she's really, really good. And actually, in The Return, they made a point, I think, of having the picture of Donna be the Donna from Firewalk with me, not Lara Flynn Boyle, which I thought was interesting. Okay. Because yeah. one of the ways that Lara Flynn Boyle kind of flex with this series is she was dating Kyle MacLachlan when they filmed this, mm -hmm. and she did not like the chemistry that he had with Audrey. 
who was set up as his love interest, not in the pilot, but in episode two. Yeah. And mm -hmm. she kind of put oh. the kibosh on that right, plot line. Right. So they arbitrarily bring in a love interest for him and for Audrey that doesn't really make sense. And it right. really does become a detriment to the series. I guess so, yeah, that's one thing that hurts season two. Sorry. Yeah. I live by a train. Um, <laughs> Moira Kelly, mm. who was in yes. The Cutting Edge. Of, yeah, I was like some ice skating movie. Where the oh, figure yes. skater and the hockey player need to perform at the Olympics together, but do they I fall mean, in love? Of course they do. As they do. Do they it's get like, gold? I can't remember. Do they and she played Nala in the Lion King um, animated film. Oh. So that's fun. Fun <laughs> wow. fact. And was she on is, One Tree Hill for nine she's years. quite beautiful. And she, she was in the West oh. Wing, loved the West Wing. I just love 90s nostalgia. Mm -hmm. So, Elitis is is, what I'm interested to to understand because you have like heard us dissect this show so much but hadn't watched it. When you actually yeah. watched the pilot, like, did the hype even remotely live up to like what the show was? I'm just so curious. The way I see it, it's like you don't read Shakespeare without a little help from Cliff's Notes or the teacher. So <laughs> I appreciated it just that much more. <laughs> um, to think, you know, when a character's name was said, like, oh, all the things you guys had said about that character coming to mind, it didn't, it didn't ruin it at all. But like what you were saying in the first podcast about the pilot, I, I definitely noticed that, um, the, the tableaus. I appreciated the tableaus in case I wouldn't have otherwise noticed them. The introduction oh, of the characters point. with uh, a nice scene or nice costumes that really help you solidify if you have face blindness like Tom had. Helps you remember like, oh yeah, Mink yeah, Coat, did. Joan Chen, you know. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, I was just, I've just been really glad that, that I've had the Companion podcast because it just, took a lot of the work out of it and made it just pure joy. Thank you, Owe. Oh, <laughs> and I think it's a testament to David Lynch that like, there are a lot of companion podcasts for a lot of shows, but a lot of shows that I feel like don't need them, where David Lynch shows, you could talk about all day. I mean like, and the thing is you could talk about them all day and be completely wrong. David Lynch could talk about it one day and then talk about it three weeks later and have a totally different opinion because I don't think that he plans. I think that he's a little bit, he's just an- create. Yes, he's he imaginative. Just, he leaves he it open to interpretation. Like one of my favorite stories about his direction of this is that he put his hand in like the hood of a car and felt the heat and it made him think of the red room and like oh, it's something okay. he'll just spin out on an image or a character and just decide and i think a lot of times too he'll be like how can we get these three characters in a room together and it's not about like some elaborate plot point it'll just be like i want to use those people or i want to use this image and he really just drives towards that he doesn't care about like it all has to make sense and tie up mm -hmm. perfectly but 
the return does a really nice job of paying you off for some of these like deep seated relationships. I mean, like, I mean, subtle spoiler, but like Norma, Ed, Nadine plot line, you get a lovely payoff there. Right. You know, like, I mean, there's some plot lines here where I'm like, wow, they pay off 25 years later. I mean, like, it's a long time where we were just like (laughs) sobbing at the climax of that love triangle. I mean, it's beautiful. Everyone in Twin Peaks is having an affair. So everyone is having an affair and everyone's a suspect. That's probably the easiest way to tackle the pilot is like, who's a suspect and who's sleeping with who? So maybe we should like kind of start from there. So should we start with affairs or suspects? Who would you like, Melissa? Affairs. Affairs, okay. So (laughs) affairs. Affairs and then get into kind of the murdery plot. Okay, so affairs, you, the central relationship actually, if you want to go by like who should be together is you've got the quarterback Bobby is dating the prom queen, Laura. But of course, they're not really with each other. Bobby is on the side slash in love with the diner waitress, Shelly. And Laura is sleeping with the motorcycle rebel without a cause guy, James. Mm -hmm. So you've got those two. Then, um, if you spin out from there, Shelly works in the diner with Norma, who's having an affair with Ed, who's actually married to Nadine, who's got one eye. She's got an eye patch. <laughs> the drape runner. Drape runner girl. <laughs> if we go back to the high school plot, um, you've got James is with Laura, but he's actually in love with Laura's best friend, Donna. So then you've got that kind of spin mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Um, Donna, though, is dating Bobby, the quarterback's best Mike. friend, Mike, a.k.a. Snake, who, by the way, that's a nickname that they have in the pilot, and then they just kind of get bored with it and forget about yeah, it. <laughs> they off. never, they don't call him Snake again. <laughs> it's like, they're going to have a plot line, and then they were like, nah, we're good. By the way, the Mike's payoff in the return is wonderful. I think Mike has one of my favorite plot lines throughout everything. Like, he's got a great little story for, like, a really bad actor. Not not bad, but, like, differently abled actor. Well, it's a, it's a very small scene in the return. Um, then you've got <laughs> the mill plot, which is our B plot. So that, that plot was, like, our high school and co plot. The mill plot is the person who discovers Laura's body, Pete, mm-hmm. his wife, Catherine, um, Catherine Martell, Catherine Martell, Pete Martell, and Pete Martell, they have been running a mill that Catherine's brother, um, Packard, is his last name, I can't remember his first name, was running. Um, Thomas? Tom? Yes. Maybe. Something Something like that. (laughs) He was running the mill. He's also like the whole town is his town. And he has this beautiful wife, Josie, that he brought back from China. China. Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Who now, he died in a boating accident, which right away, you know, boating accidents are never like. I mean, that's very Natalie Woods. Like, Mm -hmm. we don't believe that. Um, And and so Josie now has the mill. 
and um, she's having an affair with the sheriff, Harry, mm-hmm. who's emotionally having an affair with a special agent named Dale Cooper, <laughs> played by Kyle McLaughlin, who comes to investigate Laura's murder. And actually, Kyle McLaughlin, who is, of course, this is like the thing he's known for, he doesn't actually enter the episode for 36 minutes. 36 minutes of this like small town and setting the scene and you know mill plot and all this Murder high schoolery and then you get Kyle McLaughlin. It's really interesting how like they don't let us have that little carrot until we've earned it, I think. So and those are the affairs. And then and there's, there's also suspects. uh to weeks then there's the Catherine Martell affairs. Oh cat too. but they don't in Do the they pilot they don't totally that? although she's okay. She calls on the phone Benjamin Horn, who's local glad-handing dandy, according to Coop. Okay. Um, so we think she's having an affair with the hotel owner, mm-hmm. who is youth beauty troublemaker Audrey's father. So nobody's sleeping with who they're partnered with. <laughs> Lots of affairs. And that's not even the suspects. So suspects at this point in the pilot, we have, of course, the quarterback boyfriend, Bobby. We have the lover, James. Mm -hmm. We have the local glad hander, Ben, just because in his first scene, he's like, you know, standing in front of a fireplace, like knitting his hands. Like, I mean, he just seems villainous to me. Leo is a big Leo, Leo the trucker who is Shelly, the diner waitress's the wife, husband the wife and a white beater. beater. And in this, I love how in pilots they're not really committed to hairstyles yet. So in this episode, right. he has a ponytail and like a little swath of perm, <laughs> like perm. And then you have Audrey's hair, which Audrey's is just hair like short. A, yeah, very short. They haven't really decided what they want to do with everyone yet. Yeah. They don't know. Are they coming back? Are they going to, you know, like, it's well, it real came, it probably they filmed it six months later. Yeah. Or something. All of a sudden, everyone's like, now I have a Does it feel less like the cast of Grease the more that they go on? Right. Oh, I also have Andy yes. Mullet, who's Oh, yeah. Andy's, Andy's the deputy. <laughs> his, his mullet's out of, out of control. He's sleeping with the sheriff's department receptionist. Lucy, who's very cute. I mean, sort of a, so like everybody's sleeping with everyone. It's a small town and there's a lot of suspects. And yet we know that murder is not something that happens all the time because the reaction to like this dead body is just total freak out panic mode. Yeah. Yes. Total freak out. And we know that it's a town where, uh, a yellow light still means slow down, right. according to <laughs> Special Agent Dale Cooper. <laughs> but she's like the jewel of the town, too. Like, the town is very proud of Laura. Yes. So very proud of her. Better. So it's... So shocked. And I was trying to think, like, procedurals weren't... I mean, there were some procedurals in the 90s, but... A procedural where it's like a high school girl in a small town. I mean, now there's so many shows that are like that, mm-hmm. but I feel like Twin Peaks was the first one to have like high school girls murdered, murdered. It's a small town where we don't know what there's more going on. Especially well, it was, in the it UK. was certainly, uh, yeah, it was a newer, 
it was it was the first of it, its kind, I think. Yeah. Before the kind of the the Soprano style series that was a long one kind of uh, you know through line of a plot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine if you were like in the '90s watching this was on CBS, right? Mm-hmm. CBS. This yeah. would be like. What the fuck? I mean, no. People were freaked out. So, Melissa, yeah. what did Kyle McLaughlin have to say about? So, yeah, I'm interested. Kyle McLaughlin just had a lot of. He did a live tweet, live tweeting the first the pilot episode on the anniversary of when it first aired in 1990, and he didn't have. So he just kind of, I mean, he's just like a little gem of a man. Um, and him and Meacham Amick did it simultaneously, and then they did a live Instagram. So they did so Instagram Meacham Amick is Shelly, the double R diner waitress. Yes. And so it was super cute, but <laughs> I did pull something. And basically he kind of, was trying to keep up with people's comments because there was a lot of comments. Um, and like little nuggets of stuff where when he's interviewing Bobby and he's like, David Lynch told me to smile. And then like when they're oh. investigating um, oh. the It's like, it's very simple. We ask the questions and you answer. Briefly and to, to the, the point. point. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's genius. <laughs> he was actually quite creepy in that delivery, and I remember yes, because he had this huge smile on his face that didn't feel sincere. I was like, wait a minute, is there something up with this guy? Right. <laughs> that is very interesting because he does have a couple moments where he's like very <laughs> gleeful about things that shouldn't be gleeful to him, where yeah. he's like, that's the scene where he he um typewriter texts or whatever like he didn't, he didn't do, do it, it. Yep, yep. while he's saying that right he has a couple moments yeah. too where he'll talk about something charming and then be like so <laughs> murder like he'll be like douglas spurs am i right so rape you know <laughs> like uh, it's like this very gleeful that's interesting melissa i didn't know that was a lynch thing and not a comic Auckland thing and then uh meacham amick did note that like when her and bobby are in that first scene where they're like in the car together mm. like well david was like underneath like directing us like on the floor oh like, my God. as we're doing it i of course adore <laughs> that scene so the other thing i think there's so much about david lynch that appeals to me i mean he's i'm a film noir lover and he's noir to the t mm -hmm. i mean everything is like slow snapping and shoulder rolling Every woman has got like a wing eye and like a red lip, you yeah, know. Jazzy beats. Yeah, yes. I mean, he loves mm -hmm. a dramatic look. He loves like lines that are just, I mean, I started writing some of them, but it's just like you can't even keep track of like, nice day for a picnic, you know, like just so many like, light your fire, cowboy. <laughs> like just all these like lines that are just so like Mae West. <laughs> and he just throws them out with the greatest of ease. And this little, scene with Shelly and Bobby is just like, bam, 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 bam. A little foreshadowing with the light 
let your fire cowboy yes. line there. Yeah. In the car, they are just so cute. This couple um, <laughs> that's having an affair, drinking from a flask, and she's in a diner waitress, and he's in like yeah, a letter jacket. It's just so. so they're so believable perfect. too that yes. you, you can hardly you can hardly believe that he is with Laura or was with. No, Laura him and Shelly are perfect, <laughs> and you get some payoff with them in the return. That's very nice. Um, they're a great couple. I mean, they're really, really believable. You're right. They are, yeah. Yeah. I guess they do a decent job in the movie when Laura and you see Laura and Bobby together. Right. I mean, Bobby, he's one of those but actors, too. it was tough. Too. It was tough because, yeah, they didn't, I don't know if they had Shelly in the movie. No, they didn't. Um, Which, it's like, when I first watched Twin Peaks, I was like, oh, Bobby's a terrible actor. And now I'm like, Bobby's awesome. Like, I really like Bobby. Wow, really? You've turned yeah, I, completely? Yeah, I've totally turned on Bobby in a good way. I mean, and in The Return, he's wonderful. Yeah. So he learned, you know, and I can appreciate that he, like, learned and grew. But you're saying he still is bad in the... He's bad, the but pilot. they make use of his badness. <laughs> like, one thing that's always in debate with David Lynch is, like, are the bad actors really bad or were they directed to be bad? Because sometimes David Lynch you don't know. will like tell you to be bad. Like That's right, yeah, deliberate. Um, like in, well, if yeah. you've watched Mulholland Drive. Well, that's what uh, Melissa is saying there about the about Kyle McLaughlin smiling yes. in that scene. It's yes. not natural, but he wanted it to be not natural. Like I the think, blue right? rose you know, is not that. made in nature. Right. Okay, sorry, Melissa, what else did he say? I mean, there were some really cute things where it was like, let me do this really quickly. Um, hold on. I don't know how to use Zoom really well. So give me a second. I do. do, because I also tweeted about it so that <laughs> I could, you know. And I just get very this. quickly was like, you don't mind if we use this picture on our podcast, do you? And he was like, no, 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 fine. All good. And then he did really cute things like how he loved Harry, which was adorable. Oh, um, Melissa I is, see that is on my screen. My wait, I forget what are your coop and I'm Harry, right? Yes, your coop because yes. you're visiting from the outside and I'm Harry in the weird town, just like there. Yes, <laughs> there's yes. the donut shot. It's so beautiful. Roof. You guys talked and talked and thought. I was like, well, maybe they're just really good actors. Look at that. They do love each other. They love each other. Wow. Oh my God. Yeah. Their chemistry, this bromance is my favorite bromance of all time. <laughs> I mean, they're so cute. And like, it's so instant because he just, he's, their meeting scene is really fun too because he just swaggers in. He's like, quick, quirky thing about the town. Also, I want to establish my dominance because sometimes with, these local cops, things go badly. Yeah. And Harry's just right away like, no, dude, I love you. Like, he had such an great. easy time with, with Harry. Harry just, he got down there, like a he subdued like, dog. Yes, he's the dog <laughs> that like lowers himself. Like, no, 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 you're the top dog. Yeah, yeah. They're so <laughs> dang cute. We have a, we have like various romantic Twin yeah. Peaks art around the apartment. A few Twin Peaks art. A few things. Just a, <laughs> a lot. So does Melissa. The best was when yeah. seeing Melissa's apartment evolve into just like Twin Peaks art. <laughs> you have the Meanwhile, which is my favorite. Yes. Um, it's also 
on my resume this podcast so you know and then when people when i drop small twin peaks here like let's not go all red room here like <laughs> it's not, you don't mean like you know dark coop like no, the alternative version of me and people are like what are you talking about i was like it's a land reference three times <laughs> coop so I think my next thing is going to be reviewing some of the lynch media because this has only been my intro into lynch like i've watched half of mohammed drop yeah drive, but like oh i love the i was it wasn't enough and then you made me watch that monkey one and Which that that was even true. i, was I mean we were not too that was a lot but, was i mean that's like good. a razor head I was like a hardcore David Lynch and fan, they're, and they're remaking Dune with Timothy Timothy Chalamet. That's um, right. Yes. Okay. I love it. No, it's like. But Eraserhead is better than that monkey movie. Yes. 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 Yeah. <laughs> but Eraserhead <laughs> is hard. I mean, like, Alyssa, really we can't good. tell you how. Well, I can't tell you how. I might have been drunk, maybe a little high. It doesn't watching. matter though. Um, if you were sober, it wouldn't go any better talking where someone was like oh yeah i guess lynch is still doing something and i was like sit down guys let me tell you a tale <laughs> but it's like he does what i appreciate about david lynch he really is heard that, a chicken yeah. like a gonzo but it's fine he's <laughs> not netflix like he's not netflix. doing it for us he's just like this yeah. would be fun I don't care if it's someone like, I dare it. you to watch this. I do think, People. Alyssa, your husband is a little bit like David Lynch in that, like, he's an artist who doesn't care if people watch his art or not. He has the talent where, like, yeah. people would and but do. He, uh, but but he, he was born the year of the monkey. There oh. you go. It's on that right. no, he, he doesn't care. He, he, he'd burn the whole thing down. Right. <laughs> that, that's David Lynch. Like he doesn't care, and so and sometimes it's like you just watch something, you're like, oh my god, every moment is like a thread and a tapestry that's so in intricately woven. And then another time you watch something, and you're like, this was a drunken piece of garbage that he came <laughs> with on like at like 4 a.m. And and like you equally love that both of these things are coming out of the same mind. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like loving someone doesn't mean loving them blindly. And with David yeah. Lynch, you have to understand, like, he's got his space that he really does well in, and then he's yeah. got his areas where it's like, it's four o'clock in the morning, and the next thing you know, he's talking to a monkey, and yeah, stick it's to your, stick to your film monkey is talking back. <laughs> mention how the monkey is talking back as if it was a little person. It's almost, it's, as right. if he, it's almost as if he made that during COVID. He didn't Where care. It's like he knew. He was just like feeling squirrely. I'll just make one this day. with myself. <laughs> I feel like maybe I made this up, but I feel like Kyle McLaughlin told a story once about like just ending up at David Lynch's and doing like claymation on his stairs. Like where they were like using like clay puppets on David Lynch's stairs and being like something. And he's like, what the fuck am I doing? <sighs> But it's like you're now you're David Lynch's guy, and that's what you do if you're David Lynch's guy. You just don't say no. You don't question. Yeah. You know, you don't know what the context will ever be, and you go with it. Yeah. And that's that's your life then. Mm -hmm. 
as Kamala Gotham. He's got to be a say yes kind of guy. Started with Doom, yeah. then did Blue Velvet. Blue Velvet. Blue Velvet. Which is freaky, but awesome. I mean, I think it's Velvet. really good. I know. I have to get mentally prepared for this. I just watched 22 yeah. movies of Marvel as something that I took on myself to, you know, again, basic, but a little geeky. So I was like, let's do this. I have Disney Plus. (laughs) Well, and and you know, Melissa, like, when we watch The Return, we were talking about how it really changes the way that you watch everything because it's so much slower and more deliberate, Mm -hmm. but you have to pay attention to everything because what I think is so cool is is David Lynch will, like, call back things, but he won't tip his hand about what's important. So, like, certain scenes will seem tremendously important and then it'll come to nothing i I think there are some creepy undertones in the pilot that you uh yes maybe don't realize until multiple viewings like the staircase of the palmer's place that's That's fucked up Uh, you know that's and the the ceiling fan fan just slowly rotating yeah he's good at making things that shouldn't be creepy creepy also sarah palmer she's always being um sedated by doctors yes (laughs) they just are like just 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 inject her inject her with these needle drugs yeah so you could ask her some questions well that's something that i get really mad at when people watch this they'll like be like oh she's terrible she's a soap opera actress actress about sarah palmer who's laura's mom yeah and i'm like she's amazing you know she's acting as though her teenage daughter was brutally raped and murdered like Mm -hmm. i don't feel like there's too big if that's what you're playing and she, they do this really great because of course we, the audience know that this girl has been murdered, but the way that they slowly reveal it to the parents is very satisfying. Like they yeah. do it in a very cool way. And both parents have a really cool reaction that is, I think really Genuine. good acting. Like, I don't think there's any way to think of either of them as bad actors. But some people do, and <laughs> there is an element with, with Twin Peaks where certain parts of the cast are, like, soap opera actors. And that's the part of the parody yeah. of the show is that it's mocking soap operas. So that yes. so they could kind of get away with these tropes, these soap opera tropes of uh, convoluted plot lines, like the mill plots and yes. the affairs and stuff. The way that I handled Sarah Palmer is by considering that I have met many people in my life, many adults that are just not quite all there and they seem to be getting along just fine in life. (laughs) And I imagine that Sarah Palmer may not have been the most social person from the get-go or the most, like, that's a great point. Great insight relatable person even before this happened yes so it makes sense that she would be kind of an odd bird in her grief yes Uh, and it's almost like she's not like she's looking for some reason to fall apart but now that she has the excuse to just totally fall apart she's gonna do it yeah yeah that's true 
a very good observation. Yeah, that makes, especially when you see her journey in the return. I mean, that's like extremely true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she's, I mean, she, yeah, I, I, I think she's really good, but there's an element to Sarah of just denial that she's really in, in this and the return where she's just like, I didn't want to know that this was going on. That's pretty intense and she does, I think she does a great job. Now, who knows, what's interesting is like, this is not the series where everything was laid out at the pilot. Like, mm -hmm. there is a murderer that, it, that we know, we're not gonna spoil for you, <laughs> but the actors didn't know and yeah. the actor who's playing the murderer did not know during the pilot that this, that he or she was the murderer. He didn't know so, until the last couple of episodes. Really until they played the scene where they're revealing they're the murderer. Yeah. This individual did not know. Right. So it's really interesting to go back and rewatch because you could start to ascribe motive and be like, oh my God, this whole time this person knew and like, but the actor didn't know, which really mm -hmm. works so brilliantly. Like, I, I don't know if that was just like laziness. There, <laughs> I did a rewatch maybe right before this and maybe I rewatched half the episode, but it was like certain things where things are said and you're like, oh, look at that. Yeah. Look at it. It's mm -hmm. just happening right there. Right. It's like foreshadowing and why is he, like, why does he say that? And it's like, oh, because we don't know, but we do know now. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I wonder when David Lynch knew, because I'm pretty <laughs> sure that David Lynch did not know during the pilot who the murderer was. He since... may not have decided yet. But we know that he knew, obviously, sooner than when he told the person. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, he really let organic decisions come to him mm -hmm. very much so throughout. So it's not like, like with Lost, for example, there was an element of like, oh, we knew this, 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 and this when we started. A lot of series that are several you know, seasons. They, they, will... they did sort of the same thing, though, where they didn't necessarily know the details around some of the yeah. major plot reveals, but they just kind of... Well, Vince Gilligan, yeah. who is Lost, and he did... X-Files as well. He talks about how on good serialized shows, you have to be open to unexpected gifts. Mm -hmm. And he describes like Jillian Anderson getting pregnant as like an unexpected gift because they had to like write that into the show and figure it out. And then it became part of X-Files mythos. Mm -hmm. And I think like David Lynch does a really good job of that when he likes an actor and things are clicking he'll just spin off on that like Cheryl Lee who plays Laura um she, apparently she was like a local actress that he just really liked and she was not supposed to be more than like a corpse with maybe one show. flashback scene but then she just became so good that he added like cameo and then added this and then added that and just kept adding. And then added a movie. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> I think he'll, he'll take the gifts that are given and kind of spin on that, which mm -hmm. is a really cool thing to see mm -hmm. sometimes. But other times <laughs> he's like, oh, I just like that person and they're a terrible actor, but I want to play with them. Indeed. You know.
Can we talk about the Norwegians for a while? The Norwegians are leaving. <laughs> the Norwegians are so iconic in this They're so good. first episode, but this that's all you get. That's all you the get. Nor- Norwegians, Audrey scares them away. She's, that scene, she's so amazing. She's like, she's like, is there something troubling you, young, pretty girl? She's like, my dear friend was found naked murdered like she's just so incendiary she just Mm -hmm. wants that attention so badly it's that like audrey is just enjoying being horrible when and even when she hears about don't tell the norwegians about the murder she's 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 uh sticking a pen in a coffee cup Oh my god! Just to be horrible, <laughs> just to cause it's wonderful. Havoc. Yeah. What I like about Audrey, she's so pure compared to the other characters. Like everyone else is trying to pretend to be good and civilized, and she's just like burn it all down. I mean, mm-hmm. she's just like horrible <laughs> she's on. She's a troublemaker in this. Yeah, it's great. She's adorable too, <laughs> and she just like one one reason I thought she and Cooper really matched was that they both have this like joie de vie. They both just like really love life and experiences and just have this like delight all the time. Mm-hmm. And that to me seemed really complimentary. You know, mm-hmm. they would just, it's like light and dark, but they both are like just on fire all the time. Mm-hmm. But alas, it was not to be, spoilers. Mm-hmm. So we don't see the Norwegians again. I oh, no, but we do see another. No, uh, but Icelanders Nordic. come in and kind of fill the role that the Norwegians yeah, yeah. give you. I mean, the Icelanders so, are even better. You get Peppa. Yeah. Peppa. And you get Jerry Horn. Jerry Horn is the best. He's wonderful. <laughs> I'm, I'm like looking. I mean, so many characters get introduced. You get all, like all the Hayward family. My favorite daughter, Harriet. The only good daughter, really. Um, the one who's like reading the poetry. Um, Harriet Harriet must have been in the babysitter's club or at least just seeing her was like for that moment. Yes! Oh my god. looks like a Mallory, but... Such a Mallory! (laughs) Yes! Oh my god, she is a Mallory. And then Dawn is kind of dressed like a Marianne. But, I mean not Dawn. Donna is dressed like a Marianne. And... Laura is like Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> and then Audrey's the Claudia. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, I love it. That's so good. Or is she the Christy? Ooh, that's, that's so tough. Either or. It's so tough to tell. <laughs> what is the story there? Yeah, it's so. The question I always am curious about is like at the end of the pilot, who do we think is the murderer? If you try and just divorce yourself of any other knowledge mm-hmm. of Twin Peaks. From our podcast. Pilot. Yeah. If you literally only I have mean, a pilot. I, th- I thought Leo, I think at this, at this yeah. point, I thought Leo. Although we didn't see the pilot first, but I think in the first few episodes, Leo was. Leo seems pretty suspicious. But it's... it's yeah, it's too too obvious or too easy to, to Leo, pick by the Leo, way, <laughs> um, by all accounts, is like the sweetest man on earth, but he's terrible. And <laughs> his mother is the casting director. 
<laughs> There's some nepotism for you. He's just <laughs> yeah, he's so bad. I mean, pretty, but he's, like everyone says, he's the nicest person like you could ever, ever meet. And so it's, it feels terrible to be like, he's so bad. But he's just, he's so bad. I mean, well, we don't, so bad. Melissa, who did you think it was? Do you remember? I don't remember. I don't. But I'm going to go through Meacham Amex. Alyssa, uh, who, who would you who think? Who would you have thought? If you uh, already know. <laughs> it is tough, but um, to remove myself from both what I know from the podcast. And, <laughs> um, well, I, I did think that the Jacoby being creepy oh. about like laughing about it right after. Yes. Um, he, is, he was a creepster. Yeah, sure. We didn't talk about him. So Jacoby is a a psychiatrist, the the psychiatrist in the town. I imagine there can't be more than one. And he runs into Agent Cooper and Harry, and is like very weird, just very weird. His behavior is very odd. Yeah, he's Um, but but Big Ed though too. Actually, if you if you're the kind of person that you like, you're looking for who they're trying to cover up could be the killer because he's so sweet to Donna and so understanding and when James shows up and is like she's gone or Lord's dead and he was like oh Mm -hmm. that's a good point why is he so nice it's suspicious and why is he like so lovey-dovey with like a teenage girl there is some weirdness <laughs> with Big Ed in that first episode. They, they could have made Big Ed. They them. could have definitely gone. Or they there. could. Or they could. <laughs> um, yeah, I think. I you know what's funny? I I do remember that I never really thought Bobby was a contender, only because it would just be so obvious to be the boyfriend. And the quarterback, and I just thought, like, oh my god, they're laying it on so thick with him. Ben, ben was a big suspect. But Ben was my hone in on yeah. from minute number one. I was like, Ben just seems shady. Yeah. He is standing by a fireplace, like wringing his hands. I think, yeah, yeah. I think he's... Pete Martell is never considered because he finds the body. And That's right. Just, but he's so. I mean, just kind of like. Do it, do it, do it. Yeah. You know, he just doesn't seem like he would have the <laughs> brutality and cunning. But Ben, there is the best word for it. I was gonna say, wouldn't have the balls to kind of murder someone. Yeah. Well, and we know. I mean, it's they don't. I mean, they they say it, but like it's a rape and murder. It's like a really brutal one. We see the crime scene. We see it's really bloody, and there's like a soaked cloth and. I mean, things that, like, now we just become desensitized to, but probably then on primetime was, like, pretty intense. There is a mound of dirt with a piece of paper that says, by your walker. Right. In, like, red Crayola crayon. <laughs> In red blood. I mean, that too. But, right. yeah. This is before murder mysteries and murder shows were just, like, so rarely you're, like, type in murder and, like, you would get, like, 17 things on your streaming service. Yeah. Like, what kind of murder are you looking for? Real bad murder? Little murder? <laughs> right. Like, super murder. You know what's, what's funny? Murder? <laughs> I was thinking about it, like, we only see Laura alive in this episode in this, the video, the video with she and Donna. Yeah. 
which mm-hmm. is kind of interesting because I'm like, if you were Cheryl Lee, you presumably could have only been thinking that your role would be like corpse in that scene. Well, I think yeah. we could also talk about, so she, she is brought back as a cousin. Later, because she's so good and he wants to use her. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I think that's also a uh, soap opera trope is using the same actor for different, yes. like, relatives. Well, and then in case we don't get it, they have a soap opera. Cat! Your cat I know. Kelly doesn't believe I have a cat because he refuses to show up when <laughs> she's when over. When guests are over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. Unless he's yeah, a yes. sexually. Yeah, but. he doesn't know he's on camera. That's oh why. Okay, so we'll be... <laughs> We'll be quiet. <laughs> um, yeah, like in case we don't totally know that they're trying to draw attention to the soap opera thing, they have a soap opera within the show called they, Invitation yeah. to Love that uses a lot of the tropes that they use in Twin Peaks, like yeah. Emerald and Jade, yeah. the twins, you know, mm-hmm. like, like so they he's show, yeah. David Lynch is like nodding that he knows that we know that yeah. he's like a soap opera but the funny thing is like <laughs> i think half the actors don't know that they're like being made fun of the bad ones yeah the bad ones mm-hmm. don't know there so we <laughs> haven't we've been kind to her this go around <laughs> but this but josie is this podcast oh. non-favorite <laughs> and i was the most beautiful woman <laughs> in the so world you mean? she's so beautiful <laughs> i was listening to another podcast um recently i listened to keep it which is part of the crooked family and they do pop culture and so one of the hosts is watching twin peaks but then they also interviewed this guy who's creating this film for netflix called tiger king and Uh josie is part of it and they Uh just talk about how um i think it's called tiger king wait the Tiger King documentary? She's oh, no, not, uh, no, maybe not Tiger King, Tiger Tail. Hold oh. on. Let me look her up. Um, <laughs> it's like, what? Because I was just Googling this. Because then they were talking about how great she is, how great Joan Chen is as an actress, and how beautiful she is, and like how she's they hit beautiful. Her, she's like, stunning. And she was Tiger Tail. good Tiger in um, the Netflix show doing? that she was in. She was in something that the she was Mar- good in. Or the, uh, Marco Polo? Yes, Marco Polo, yes. That's she was it. good yeah. in that. That's how I met her. And I think it's wonderful that they could just 100% give in to her background as being clearly not born in the United States. Because um, it was... She, I don't know that she can get rid of the accent, but other than that, um, I don't, I don't, I'm not at all worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> she, she does, she does a lot in China and like she produces a lot in China. And I think she has a very strong, like Chinese following. Oh, I mean, like, I probably, if I was an actress in somewhere that English wasn't, I don't think language. this is the best role for her, but right. then like. I just, yeah. The show starts with her. Like, the first thing you see is Josie putting on lipstick. And, like, she's supposed to be this, like, femme fatale who's pretending to be 
innocent. innocent right, yeah. And Joan Chen captures the innocent, but she doesn't capture the femme fatale to me. Right, like right. she never gets there. And then if you add on top of that, that we know that Isabella Rossellini was supposed to play this part. I oh, like yeah. get like, Oh, it would have been so good. Yeah. You know, it's like something really is missing from that plot yeah. line because of like not having an actress who really gets it. And like, she just has so many misses. And it's just like, she gets everything handed to her. I mean, this beautiful wardrobe and this beautiful partner right, in her right. scenes. And like, she just doesn't own it. And it's like, it doesn't work. I mean, she needs to be kind of, in a way, like the foil to Laura, because Laura is the femme fatale, but like hiding it, you know, mm -hmm. and like she's too, she's not wanting to embrace her sexuality. And Josie's supposed to be this person who's like embraced her sensuality and yeah. femininity and her womanly wiles. And like she just never does that for me. And I do think it's kind of a key element that would have tied the two plots together that doesn't happen. And it's because it's of the casting thing. Was it her really first big part? Is this Joan Chen's breakout role? I think so, yeah. And then she's so, she's so beautiful. And she definitely, I mean, she looks great and on camera. And like, she's got like a spark for sure. But like, it just kind of falls flat for me. And it doesn't, you don't believe it's not heightened enough to be fake soapy, but it's not, good enough to be genuine like you kind of have two camps the last like, emperor which was probably her big thing yeah yes. um but it's a very like i watched that for something and i think it was probably for high school but yeah. before and i think that was her big role prior to twin peaks mm -hmm. if I'm her, yes. um, her wiki yeah, like, I mean, even, like, Bobby, like, you kind of have multiple camps. Like, you have, like, the Bobby and the James who are, like, over-the-top <laughs> bad, but, like, they're kind of funny and it kind of works. Yeah. And then you have yeah. her and Catherine, I mean... We haven't talked about how bad James is. James <laughs> is horrible. I mean, he's so and bad. all of these, when I was following the live Twin Peaks feed, they're like, he's so amazing. We love him. And it's like, yeah, but he's a horrible actor. Like, a horrible yeah. And actor. he's just as horrible in the, in the return. Where Bobby in the return, you can tell like, he's like, now I'm an adult and I can act now. Watch me. <laughs> like, right. James is no better. <laughs> like, it's so bad. I love how they give us the jail montage, not once, but twice. Oh my god. <laughs> Where James is realizing that Bobby and Snake are also in the jail. <laughs> and they do like close-ups of all of them and they don't yeah, say anything to each other except for the weird barking. And both times <laughs> they have James just like shaking <laughs> in his boots. Yeah. Oh, the jail really? is Pray for the health and safety of yeah. James Hurley boys, because if anything happens to him, the jail is The guy so... with a bunch of biker friends is scared of Bobby and Mike. I The bikers <laughs> are so ridiculous. But the bikers are like silly and like in it, like they're not really scary bikers. The bikers are oh. in a community theater production of Comedy of they're, Errors. <laughs> like the bookhouse boys. So they're, so they're not very bad. intimidating. No, 
Not at all. They're like, I'm I'm leaving my commedia class to come to the roadhouse and like watch you. I mean, they're especially, so artsy. especially the biker friend who comes along to save the day to drive Donna to meet James. Yes. That's the we don't ever see again. No. Never I wrote I wrote in my notes like James's henchman. Like, what is your deal, <laughs> dude? Like, you just came along to the roadhouse to like do James's bidding, you have a bad perm ponytail, and then you're gone forever. He's gone. He's in maybe he's one in other episode when they do the book house when he, boys, Maybe he's a book house boy, yeah. Barely. It's At so least bad. We know he got paid because he said... <laughs> I'll take you to James. So he was at least a day player and not an ex. Yes. He got some lines. Yeah, he got some lines. It's true. <laughs> That's what matters. That's what matters. I mean, it's like, also, I was telling Pat, there's this moment where um, James and Donna are on the bike and then they, they uh, Cooper and Harry pull up to them and they catch them and then Donna turns around dramatically. I always in my mind envision <laughs> a drag queen doing that. Like... <laughs> Just like a wig. And like, I don't know what it is about that moment. I'm just like, it would just be so funny if Donna was suddenly in drag there. It would just be like, I'm on the bike with my red skirt and my slouchy boots. Just, that's one of my favorite outfits. There's several iconic outfits in the show. And I think Donna's sneaking about red skirt outfit is one of my favorites. Like, it's just so ugly. And she's so beautiful. I mean, she's, Lara Flynn Boyle is at the height of her gorgeousness here. I mean, she's flawless. I could see that skirt from a mile But away, she's yeah. like, you know what looks good on a 90-pound <laughs> body? A giant skirt and <laughs> a huge, huge leather jacket and slouchy brown boots. Let's go for it. <laughs> it was the time. It was, it was the, the time. time. It's the Pacific Northwest. It's so bad. Um... <laughs> Yeah, it's chilly I'm trying to think if there's anything else I had to say about the pilot. Um, if you were watching this pilot for the first time, you were like a totally pure viewer. Like, like okay. you didn't, you had not done a podcast where you talked about Twin Peaks and took a trip to Snoqualmie. Okay. What would be the thing that would make you want to keep watching? Like, what would be the element? That you'd be like, okay, I'm, or not, to be fair, in case you're like, you know what, actually, I'm not into it. <laughs> Which you're welcome to decide. The kernel well, that. Go first because you have watched it without much reference besides us talking about it. Sure. I think for me, it is mostly that. They, they kind of nailed the small towny feel, even though everybody is Hollywood gorgeous and um, the things are not what they seem feel is well established and um, these people don't really feel like they could exist in just any old small town. It's it's great that they they give it that whole mystique of the the mysterious spread out woodsy Pacific Northwest. He likes the Douglas fir. Yeah. You know what they're called, which I think is great. 
He asks about all the wildlife and the animals. The Douglas furs. And they just yeah. dangle every they just dangle everybody in front of you and give you just enough to make you wonder what else is what else yes. don't I know? They don't they, they do. don't give it over they don't give out they give over really anything right no. away. So I think they almost do too good a job in the pilot of giving you just enough of each character yeah. to whet your appetite. Yeah, it's that's totally opera esque in that way is that where it's like, here's all of the characters here. Mm -hmm. Where I think nowadays we're so used to more of, if it's a murder mystery, it's like, we're gonna build up and we're gonna focus on like a few people and like give you their stories. And yeah. Like, hey, they're in the background. Maybe they'll come to light later, but like this mm -hmm. is who we're focusing on today. Yeah, it makes yeah, me feel cool like if I was gonna film a procedural murder mystery, I might choose to not know who the murderer was when I started, just to like let it play out and have fun with exploring right. the way right. that they do. Cause I yeah. think that that really works in their favor. And I think having the actors definitely not knowing is so good. A really great way. Cause then you don't it. have to play dumb, you are dumb, which is great. Right. It's like a great move. <laughs> yeah, what's, what's your kernel, Pat? Uh, I think, in the pilot, it would be the kind of like the darker serial murder type things, like the the the, the letter under the fingernail and like the mound of dirt. Yeah, weird. There's a grittiness yeah, there grit, that gets like, really yeah. Some dark yeah. elements, satanic maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they like <laughs> there's this surface layer of like pie and diners mm. and sweetness, and then there's this under layer of like yeah. serial killer. That's really great. Cool. <laughs> Melissa, what do you think? What would draw you in forever? It's the same thing, I think, is more of the murder mystery aspect of it, where it's more of who really killed this person more of the character than the character development because there is too much in that first episode where they just throw you like nuggets at everyone where it's just like okay here's the cast of characters but like I'm curious about who killed and raped this girl yeah I it's intriguing and then uh also I think it's interesting to see how Later on, you don't see it as much here, but how he tries to figure out who killed, like how he investigates. Yes, using kind of deductive reasoning yeah, and uh, very odd and Tibetan method. Tibetan method. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dreams. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I don't know if I think I'm a theatricality and style over substance person. If I'm really, really realistic with myself. I'm not sure if I was super concerned with who killed Laura Palmer, but I knew when I started watching Twin Peaks that this, the ambiance and the music and the look and everything about this, the Just aesthetic right. of this world really fit with me. Mm -hmm. And this was my first David Lynch and I've since been totally in love with David Lynch because it all just fits. I mean, it's like a smoky mezcal shot of mm -hmm. noir plaid, pin curled red lipstick goodness with Chet Baker playing in the background. I mean, it's just like totally this like style 
that fits. And I'm like, well, who killed Laura Palmer? I don't really need to know. I mean, I <laughs> want to know when I get sucked in, but like, it's more about just the world and the style and the feel mm -hmm. and all the, the music and everything that comes together in his kind of dreamlike imagery world that does it for me. And oh, yeah. that's what keeps me tuned in. To, and that's what makes the return good. Cause the return really does not give a fuck about plot at all. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> if you're interested in like arc and rising action, this is not the show <laughs> for you. <laughs> if you uh, like to see the inside of a nuclear bomb. Then, then this is the show for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Pros and cons. So if you want to watch Twin Peaks season one and two in quarantine, it's on Netflix. And then how do they watch The Return? The Return's on Showtime. Okay. The Return's on Showtime. So The Return gives you 25 years later. The original is also on Showtime. So you can watch both on Showtime if you have that. I don't know where the movie is. Firewalk with me. Which trigger warnings for anything and everything. Fire Walk With Me is a two to three bottle of wine. Like, like take some kind of substance. Don't, don't sober ever be sober watching that. Ever. <laughs> That's not a good I remember idea. you guys warning about its terrifying effects. Oh I God. was curious because I didn't remember until watching the pilot that uh, the fire walk with me got dropped in there. Do we know if he knew if um, if if there were plans in the works to make that prequel? I don't think so. I don't because, think so. But, yeah, because he didn't know who killed Laura Palmer. Right, David yeah. Lynch. So I, I think that the uh, the like decision about who killed her came. Either later on and then or, yeah. once that was decided and it was like oh Cheryl Lee's a really good actress let's like spin this out and make it but like Fire Walk With Me goes into excruciating detail about how and when the and who and yeah if you have any questions end up like this like mm -hmm. let's go into her psyche about like like what, where was her mom when all this was happening? So why did this, what, how did this killer get away with this? It's laid out crystal clear. Yeah. So anyone who and doesn't feel like they got answers, they, you will have answers. I think at one film festival, Sundance or Cannes or I don't know, it was walked out on. Yeah. It's rough. And then, and then years later, it's now called classic and it's like, you know, it's pretty It's also, I mean, it's really well done. But sometimes, like, but it's rough. Yeah. How did you guys get your hands on it? Oh, you can just rent, rent it. it. Mm, like, so I just um, looked on Amazon and you can rent or buy it from Amazon. Mm. It's like for a $4 rental or like a $15 movie. I mean, it's definitely yeah. good, but like I've rewatched Twin Peaks like every year since the first year I watched it. Like it's kind of like a Halloween rewatch. Fire Walk With Me is not like that. Like, I've seen Fire Walk With Me in total really? three times. And, like, that's... It's not like it's, there's days... I would compare it... Not I don't want to say I compare watch. it to, like... What's that? It's not like I have my comfort shows. It's those shows you put on where you're just like, let's just put this on. Like, yeah. It's happy if I pay attention. Right. This is like, 
oh shit, like there's a lot of stuff going on and it's not good. It's like- And even like, yeah, like Mulholland Drive is intense. It's not, yeah, it's, it's, this more, is intense intense in it's more intense in a really rough way. I it's mean, like it's a, like- American History X. It's or, rape yeah. and, you know, really rape rough. And rape and murder. Rape murder. That's, and it's like- <laughs> Some rape and murder. It's just and then some nightmarish scenes too. Very there. nightmarish. And what's weird, I think what, what David Lynch captures so beautifully in a lot of his stuff, and like Blue Velvet is like this too, is he finds this way of making something that's horrifying a little bit titillating and sensual. So you feel weird about it. Like you're like, well, that's quite gorgeous. And like the way that he filmed this looks really gorgeous, you know? And so, like, then you can't wrap your head around why it's pleasing to look at, but it's horrifying. And so it makes you feel wrong. And you can't look away. You know, it's got that kind of thing going on. I think, because I think I, Blue Velvet has that for me, mm -hmm. too. Like, we, there was a, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, my God, we should watch Blue Velvet. I'm in, like, a Blue Velvet mood. And then I remember Blue Velvet is horrific. Dennis Hopper. Really <laughs> I, uh, because I just... I use Amazon as my primary mode of streaming. So like, I was like, how do I watch Fire Walk with me? And then they were like, Blue Velvet. And like, I literally just pulled it up. It's available on Prime as of today in April of 2020. Yeah, you should. Uh, oh, but it starts with a sensual, sensual mystery thriller. <laughs> That's like the first three That's words. It. That's it. Yeah. Four. Yikes. Yikes. Hey. I, I don't think I'm in the mood right now. Nope. Lost, I wouldn't Lost Highway is also a good Lynch movie. Love Lost Highway. Yeah. I would say like Mulholland Drive, Lost Highway, Blue Velvet. Yeah. Available yeah. on Stars. Fun fact, I have Stars now. <laughs> and Disney Plus, how do you do anything else with your time? <laughs> <laughs> And I'm not going to brag, Alyssa, but I also have HBO, still my, I'm not going to say my ex's Hulu account because I don't want him to change the password because I really need that. There is a slim chance he's listening. He's that sadistic. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I really need it. So I still have a profile on his family account. So <laughs> Hold on to that. Hold I mean, on to that. The least you could do for to let you have that profile. Yeah. What right. say we meanwhile this podcast and then have a drink? What do you think? Oh, wait, not just yet. I have a few. Uh, oh, yes, yes, yes. First time watchers, a look behind and a look ahead. Yes. Ooh, very uh, me too. Okay, share. Just a couple. And one of, I'll save the full circle one for, for last. Okay. So, um, first time watcher of the pilot, having just listened to the podcast, never put together that the log lady would just take a physical written log. <laughs> Whole time assuming it had to do with logs because more. Oh of my God. To do with logs. That is the greatest exchange in the town meeting where Coop goes, mm -hmm. what's the deal with the one with the log? We call her the log lady. <laughs> it's like boom, boom, perfect, perfect, perfect. We love you. Rest in peace, log lady. You are a beautiful, wonderful soul. Yes. Yeah, because it was several years ago, but she didn't look 
old, even in that quick scene, but maybe. And fun fact, she was married to, in real life, Peach, and they were divorced um, by the time they shot the series. And her name in real life is Catherine, the log lady. So when he yells, Catherine, that is his channeling of his yelling for his wife, he was saying. Like his Catherine calls are his. Okay. Re- remembrances of <laughs> calling for the log lady. Mm. Oh, very nice fun fact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, why is Audrey's dad wearing a headdress when he's banging his head against the wall after she scared off the Norwegians? That is Johnny, Audrey's brother. Oh, okay. Who is differently abled uh, and yeah. he's special needs or he would be special education nowadays but back then we didn't talk about we didn't have that they said yeah they don't even say really and and among laura's (laughs) many extracurriculars which included like oh right year later drug dealing meals on wheels you're gonna you're gonna learn about it (laughs) where she was a tutor for johnny horn Audrey's brother. And that's why he was upset. And he was upset. But they don't really unpack that. And we were talking about um, there's actually three actors who played Johnny. They just could not settle on a Johnny Horn. So Mm. there's it's quite confusing. However though, um, Mrs. Horn, they keep in the return and she is a really nice because in the series one in um, season one and two she doesn't really have any part so to speak of really. but then suddenly in the return she has a really juicy scene so mm-hmm. it's like a big payoff 25 years later that's crazy for mrs horn <laughs> who knew nice nice yeah she's good um gotcha gotcha well that makes me feel a little bit <laughs> yeah because audrey's dad is not the headdress banging head type yeah audrey's dad He's is pretty bad. Solid. Benjamin. i thought there was Although supposed to be his- like that's true actually i lied he's completely that type literally (laughs) where johnny gets it from that's right it would have made sense that he was banging his head against the wall because he was mad the norwegians left except that he was wearing the headdress but um well and audrey says later to coop um johnny has emotional problems you could say it runs in the family and that is yeah. certainly true. The horns have, and really in the return, <clears throat> I mean, Pat and I always talk about like who ultimately has more of a tragic family, the horns or the palmers. And it's really tough to tell. I mean, the horns have a <sighs> shitty life in the end. They do. Spoilers, but. In spoilers, at least um, the horns find weed though. Oh, that's like, right. The horns right. do find weed. Yeah. Like, yeah. Jerry's all about it where he's like, Jerry's alive now. Deep like, into the it. marijuana. Yeah. But yeah. the horns have it shitty. I mean, they really, they unravel very tragically. Mm-hmm. Where the palmers start out tragically and kind of tighten. The horns fall apart completely. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. They're and both- they're co-workers, right? Mr. Yes. Horn and Mr. Palmer, yes. they're the right. figureheads of patriarchy, and they're supposed yep. to, you know, yeah. patriarchy, basically, the Palmers are the legal counsel of the horns. 
Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And probably in this small town, they're like the two most affluent families and the Haywards. So we are seeing like a story of the haves because those are the three families that we see. After Mm -hmm. the lawyer and like the business person. Yes, exactly. Turns out the haves do not have it all. They never do. They never do. (laughs) No money, no problems. Um, Usually murder. No more bullet points, and then I swear I'm done. No, we love your bullet points. Oh, love it. You guys talked a lot about Nadine's uh, superhuman strength throughout the podcast. Came up later. And worth the watch just for that. Oh, she's the best. (laughs) Nadine's so So good. And I thought it was interesting that she, um, I got my first visual of her playing with the drapes and the fast close, fast opening that shows that she has clearly a very fast muscle twitch, <laughs> like a, a foreshadowing of her superhuman Superhuman okay. to a level that we can't really describe and you just need to see for yourself. Nadine <laughs> is so wonderful. Oh yeah. Every viewing Nadine, I love Nadine more. Yeah. She's the character that gets better and better and better. Nice. She and Bobby are my two world, that yeah. just get better and better where <laughs> other characters get worse. Like they just get better every Nadine is so great. Nadine's a delight. She's wonderful. Yeah. And apparently that actress is very fit in real life and she's like an athlete and like a mountain climber and she was so they're very, not exaggerating. No, she's quite tough. <laughs> they had to work it in. It would have been they awkward. Had to. She's right. very tough. <laughs> yeah. Like when you hear an actress can sing, someone's singing in an episode. I know. It's like, please sing us a little song. No, no. Okay. <laughs> you know, like, it's just like, it's like all right. You asked me three times. I guess I'll play in this band. Oh, no. What can I do? I can sing marvelous. I guess. <laughs> yeah. One None of, of those, except for except bodybuilding. We do have, um, so fun fact, Jacoby <laughs> and Ben. So Benjamin Horn played Tony in West Side Story, the, the movie. Mm-hmm. And Jacoby played Riff in West Side Story, the movie. Yeah. And there's a few oh. tiny scenes where they're together. And musical theater nerds are like, ooh, <laughs> you know, just like <laughs> loving it. And Ben doesn't really sing, but Leland Palmer is definitely a musical oh, theater yeah. guy, and he sings and tap dances in an singing episode. from yeah. Leland. So he'll, he'll give you some Coming singing. up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I look yes. forward to those moments. Yes. Um, I have a short call out to Nate, one of your previous guests. Uncle Yay. Nate. Uncle Nate. Nate. Next door neighbor Nate. Up for the way that he psychoanalyzed what is up with um i know what you're gonna say certain actresses eyes being very large and i don't remember what her name is right now but she's in the return um the hey amanda 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 seafried yes oh so a la that um referencing that i have noticed that uh, the actress who plays Laura Palmer has uh, eyes that are quite far apart on her. Okay. <laughs> and it's, it's uncanny, you guys. Like, most people in Oregon, well, the thing is, people in Oregon, where I am, you know, there's a lot of transplants, especially from California. 
But then there's a lot of people that were born and raised here. And a lot of people who were born and raised here have that look of just, they, they have a very Laura Palmer look. So they did a really good job of picking like a quintessential <sighs> Northwest look, like slightly odd, but definitely beautiful looking. Well, she's, she apparently local. she's she the local. She's local. Yeah. That's the story yeah. at least, which yeah. I've often thought, is that a crock of shit? Like, because it would be a really good crock of shit story. Like, oh, we found a local actress to play the killed prom queen. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I mean, she does, she's beautiful, but she's not so beautiful that you're like, she, you know, like, there's this tier of like Audrey and Donna that she's not quite at. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean she seems like normal looking beautiful. Mm -hmm. So I do yeah. feel like it's a possibility that she's just like a real human. Well, her, can I just read her Wikipedia right now? Please do. Because she was born in Germany, West Germany, Whoa. and then grew up in Boulder, Colorado. Oh. And then after graduating high school, she moved to Pasadena, California, where she studied at the American Academy of Dramatic Art. And then attended North Carolina School of Arts and the National Theater Conservatory in Denver. So That's the idea that she was like and so she moved little... to Seattle where she was doing some stage plays, and I think that's probably okay. Her. There we but go. it wasn't like she was like a town's urchin that they plucked out of <laughs> no. her. Skirt. Like it was like she was a, yeah. a word that you can use. It's an interesting <laughs> word, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. I'm like, there's no way she was just like, like, I'm the local diner community theater girl <laughs> that, like, you found. Okay, that oh, makes yeah, sense. Oh, yeah, like, Shelly would be working in that Right, diner. like, when Shelly does the Miss Twin Peaks pageant, and it's like, Shelly, you should be in this pageant. You're kind of pretty, and it's like, are you kidding? She's literally the most stunning woman I've ever seen in my life. Like, what's happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> I don't oh, and Cheryl Lee dated David Duchovny? Sorry. What? Who hasn't? Who hasn't? Worlds colliding. Who hasn't? Lee dated David Duchovny. Uh, yeah. You guys know that I've locked eyes with David Duchovny. I've shared this with you. Yes. Before. No. no. I have not heard this. And I love David Duchovny. David why Duchovny, you why me? don't you love me? David Duchovny, why don't you love me? But he did love me. He loved me for about three seconds. Oh. I mean, that's all. Um, I was an extra in that show where he basically flaunts the fact that in real life he's a sex addict, whatever that show was called. Californication. And perfectly, the scene I was in, we were in some sort of stripper place, but like women in glass boxes wearing nothing. And of all of the scantily clad women, he could have been goggling at, and I'm sure he did. This is an amazing story. <laughs> it was <laughs> Alyssa. He, he looked at me from across the room, and I immediately thought I could read what he was thinking. He was wondering, did I ever sleep with her? <laughs> he doesn't remember anymore. Black eyes. <laughs> he was like, if I haven't, I should. <laughs> right. Uh, it was a good moment, but, um, but that wasn't one of my last bullet points to bring up actually okay <laughs> um you're distracting us i distracted you i distracted myself oh so i know you guys weren't thrilled with the sawmill plot 
Um, but I, I do wonder, because I don't know as much about that one, what I might be able to draw from that since... No. And you've been to a sawmill. You have personal connections to sawmill. <laughs> yeah, now I... Way more than me or these other Chicagoans might have because we only get our <laughs> we logs don't know. Wait. at a Jewel or at a Mariano's or some kind of... That's right. We're not going restaurant. to sawmills as much. But I feel like we got... Not that we, we got a review of our podcast that, that mentioned that we mentioned the sawmill plot as a B plot Later and on. they oh, yeah. said that it's not a B plot. It's like an A plot. Because they move the plots up. like Right. They, yeah. So like, in season two, the sawmill plot becomes like the A plot. Ah. They like solve the murder two. of right. Laura Palmer. So the A plot goes away and there's no other plot except the B plot. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So it's place. It's just how it works with and the A's and B's in an outline format. Right. <laughs> and I guess it, to me, it like answers the question, could this town and the characters and the environment be sustaining enough that you don't need the murder mystery of like Laura Palmer? And the answer is no. <laughs> you need, that, you might think differently. Right. You have a different relationship with the logging industry. That That's right. Do. Like you're much closer to it. <laughs> Like, yeah, you might you might find that that season is very charming. I mean, like, we've well, it's definitely... Half, it's half the season. It's half the season, yeah. The beginning of the season is still... There was a lot of pressure from the network to reveal who the killer was. So, reluctantly, David Lynch and Mark Frost, his writing partner and producing partner, decided to reveal who the killer was in the middle... Or actually, towards the beginning of season two. No, it was the middle. It was the middle. Yeah, it was towards the middle. So then yeah. they just had like all this time to just like kind of hang out in Twin Peaks, and then they didn't really have like, of course, the same bite to the plot. No. And this mill plot, which was supposed to just kind of be like, in my opinion, like color commentary of like, this is the type of colorful characters we have. It, like a framework to maybe provide some motive for some of the potential suspects, but not like this main kind of driving device. Mm -hmm. It had to like carry this weight and just, I don't think it could do it. And it just became like this, everything was too silly and it didn't have enough of the like right. weirdness that made it good. Cause to me, it's like Twin Peaks is like a nice balance of weird and silly. And mm -hmm. it just became over the top silly without the weird. No, yeah, yeah. The mill no, plotters are just, they're all soap opera. Huh. Well, well you can find out. Yeah, I'm going to have to find out. Take our mill plot to. challenge. So the mill plot <laughs> yeah. challenges have three alcoholic beverages <laughs> and whiteboard the entire mill plot from start to finish. <laughs> if you can do it, Pat and I have tried. We get lost in the middle. Insurance scams. We're like, and then he took out a life insurance plot. <laughs> and this ledger was incorrect, but this ledger was real. And it's like, suddenly you're just like, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> Guys, I guess it's just maybe because it, it is just a little closer to home because I don't know somebody who's been murdered, but I do live down <laughs> the street from a mill 
that mysteriously burned most of the way down in a time when wood is not in demand as much as it was. This whole area doesn't have the demand it used to have for wood so you could potentially make more money from some sort of insurance plan by your mill accidentally burning down Right, right. right. So basically you found the mill plot in your backyard and how does it hold up to the Twin Peaks one? Yeah, that's what I need to find out. Find out. (laughs) (laughs) Alyssa's gonna be our mill plot expert who just looks and she's like, meanwhile on the mill plot, here's what's going on. Because I always would just like on the podcast, just forget to mention anything about the mill plot. Like I'd be like, and then Catherine did all these things. Like, because you didn't like it, it's like one of the few surprises that I have, I guess. By this <laughs> You're like, this whole thing is here. I didn't know anything about it. <laughs> like, right. good. You, you don't, don't feel things come in bundles? We're fine. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> We're like, uh, they closed on the mill. Whatever. Donna was wearing the weirdest sweater. <laughs> We'll just like go on and on and on about the mm-hmm. high schoolers, but we're like, whatever the mill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we've got a rain in people from all different walks of life. This That's is true. Why you're here, <laughs> we appreciate you. We, you're our mill plot person now. <laughs> so continue watching, and we'll circle back after maybe you finish the season, and then maybe after you finish the second season. And well, you have to we'll finish all the seasons and a half a bottle of wine, and then we want you to describe in detail the mill plot from start to finish. Okay, they'll have to be Challenge. visual. So, yes. Challenge taken. Yeah, I have one <laughs> final observation that I think is a good full circle observation, since um, Pat and Kelly, and I think maybe all of us now have referenced that we are doing this in the new era of. COVID-19 quarantine. I mean, that's how we're zooming. I'm sitting out in my yard where I am right now watching the pilot. And what do they do in the pilot? They (sighs) close down the sawmill for the day because Laura was found dead. They close down school. Yes. That's right. Yeah, they do. They create a curfew. Yes, they do. I was thinking about that. And this is right at the anniversary. I'm like, he knew. He He knew. Yeah, that's a really good point. The curfew and Donna like sneaks out. Because I was thinking when that scene happened, I was like, if I was in high school and I was like for sure young and healthy, I would be sneaking out too. (laughs) But I'm like, now I'm, you know, 36 and I'm scared Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to do that stupid shit. So there's no sneaking out. Joan Chen's character closed down the mill. What country might Joan Chen's character supposedly supposed to have been from? Yeah. It's true. Oh, it's my God. <laughs> oh, my God. David Lynch knows everything. It's true. it's true. He's, could you imagine if you had to be quarantined with David Lynch? <laughs> By day four, you would be bananas. I mean, you would be like, Claymation filming nude with right. You would be nude and just covered in paint. Signs are like pulled up against the wall, being like, "This is art now." You wouldn't have used real words in like forty-eight hours. Like, no, it's just your body and your soul. 
Oh my God, I <laughs> want that. And or quarantined with Kyle McLaughlin and Patrick Stewart in a little Sammy. He would just hold me. <laughs> Patrick Stewart reads a sonnet of the day. Um, I retweet oh. it every day because that's just amazing. And then Kyle McLaughlin's just like pouring the wine. wine. And, and he's like, been like, Melissa, it's 10.34 p.m. And you're like, I know, I'm right here. And he's like, I'm just going to keep recording mm -hmm. messages to you. Oh, we didn't even mention, Diane, one final thing. The biggest payoff between the series and the return is that in all of the series, Special Agent Dale Cooper is talking to Diane, his, uh, we assume, secretary or assistant or something, and mm -hmm. then in the return, you get to meet Diane, and she's amazing and That's wonderful. Right. So yeah. it's worth it to watch share. that. Yeah. And I would share, hold on. She's got some major shoes to fill because the figment of his imagination is pretty strong. Yes. I was yeah. thinking about that when they were, like, when it came out that they were going to do the return, and I knew they said they were going to have Diane as a character. I was like, what actress this could even crazy. remotely play Diane? Didn't oh, you right. call it? I thought you... No, I did not. Um, I did not. And don't say, because if there's, like, one person who hasn't seen it... We don't want to say? We don't want to say. Okay. But right. it's definitely the right actress <laughs> for that role. Yes. She um, might be a Lynch favorite. Too. She's a Lynch favorite. <laughs> she's wonderful. She's perfect. It's she's everyone's favorite now. Yeah. She did get nominated, didn't she? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so did I, won't, I won't say anything else, but that's it. <laughs> but, and Vanity Fair put the return as one of their top, like, 10 or 15 series of the decade. So, like, the return got some critical acclaim love. So be sure yeah, to watch it. Um, I'm going to meanwhile this, but stay on podcasters. I'm just going to stop the recording. Meanwhile. Meanwhile. So, meanwhile.